Welcome back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan. And I'm Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) You'll hear that in the bloopers. Yes, you will. (laughs) So stay tuned. Stay tuned to hear what happened before I introduce the podcast. (laughs) This is so stupid. (laughs) What an idiot. (sighs) Anyway, happens to the best of us, my dear. You know, sometimes words are hard. Yeah. I feel like that's one of our favorite. That's my favorite thing. One to of say. our favorite things. Words to are say. hard when you write them wrong. Oh my gosh! Even just when you think you know them, you don't know words. I just. Who I do you f- think you are? I feel like I flub all the time, or I'm. It's like a gruel situation. Like I was thinking like gruel, and then I said great. It was just like, and then you say gruel. It was like oh, wait, God. like in the podcast or in life? Because I was no, say, like in life. Like oh, I, do I was that. gonna say, you have like the least edits. Oh. <laughs> It's gonna be like uh, I really, uh, you do it like two times tops. I try, to, I, I try to poise myself and like oh, beauty. They wouldn't know, grace, but I know. United States. <laughs> oh my god, what is that from? Oh my gosh, like every Miss America pageant ever. No, it's from Miss Congeniality. Yeah, I was gonna say Miss Congeniality. <laughs> my favorite day is April. What is it? April what? Is it? I thought it was May. Oh. All you need is a light jacket. (laughs) That's probably the kicker. All you need is a light jacket. Like, oh, my. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. I have to look at it. Good writing before we knew what good writing was. Right? It was April 25th. (gasps) I got the day and you got the month. Yeah. So close. Together we make one. Together we made. One brain. We made it together. Happy light jacket day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh because i was thinking about that's such a good movie and then i was like what did i just watch that i really thoroughly enjoyed and i watched fleabag oh my god i still i need to watch it i, I need to watch it i will watch it it's only 12 episodes so i've been harassing a lot of people to watch fleabag. <laughs> <laughs> i like how it's a lot of people like well at work i'm putting your feelers out there okay so like, hi megan you're like fleabag <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> do you have an Amazon Prime login? Right. Watch Fleabag. Oh, um, Mandy Moore posted about it as well. Oh. So I would just like to say I'm not alone. Okay. And when Mandy Moore likes something, you better fucking like it. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> no. Um, basically, it's a show about a woman who's in her early 30s and she's dating. And she keeps dating this one guy that's wrong for her, but he cleans her apartment. So it's a British <laughs> comedy. So everything's very sarcastic. Oh, um, beautiful. So it, it's so oh, it's so good. Anyway, so the first season is kind of her figuring out herself. You get flashbacks. You get her dealing with her emotions. And then she's taking out with guys. And she's just sleeping with guys and all this stuff. And I feel like I really just it felt like a kindred spirit like in the first season your twin flame yes <laughs> my twin flea bag um <laughs> and it was just really like a beautiful story but what she does that's really brilliant is when she's talking okay she's, your british i know is coming out. it's brilliant <laughs> oh, it's so brilliant um when she's talking to you or she's talking to a character she turns to her right or her left, and it's like a gym moment in the office. Okay, so she's when looking would, right at you. And she looks right at you, so it feels like you have a relationship with her. That's amazing. And so she'll be like, oh, that's so It's that's, so, that's so good. good. And, okay. um, like, it'll be like she's looking at them, and she'll be like, they'll be like, I had a really good time. She's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, um, he'll be like, how did you know him? He fucked me in the ass. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
know. It's but just you like, know. Yeah. And it's like you're in her, it's just like you feel like you are like one of her best friends and she's telling you oh, this is the truth. I love it. Guys, this the first season I will say was harder for me to get through because it was like you were getting close to the characters, but it fucking found its voice in the second season and it is its last season. So it's 12 and done. I know very British to just be like, we're at our peak. Bye. <laughs> kind of like the British office. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, and, here you go. An American Take was like, let's do 12. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah so, um, but it was also good. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it could have ended at like a really high note and been like, you, I feel like it really, like, on Netflix found its voice with other generations. But I feel right. like The Office had it just, like, ended in, like, what, the fourth season. Yeah. It would have been, like, epic. Oh, completely. You know? Completely. But, but anyway. the way they wrapped it up and the way that they just, like. Yeah, which they could have. I paid, feel like. They kind of, like, wait paid you homage see, to all the characters and in, wait in their way. see this. Okay, so it's 12 episodes, 25 minutes each, so pretty quick. You can get through it. I think I got through it in a couple days. But legit, I got to the point where I... Let's just not even do the podcast. Let's, let's go not. Let's just okay. go watch it. We're watching Fleabag. You guys are on oh your own. God. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and we'll see you next week for another horrible, horrible story. story. <laughs> um, I Nikki Glazer had been posting about it every day. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I hadn't gotten to the second season. She kept posting in front of churches. And she'd be like, the priest, the priest, the priest. And so the second season is about a priest and um when i got to the end i messaged her and i was like i don't know i was like hysterically crying but i felt so So happy and i felt so broken and i messaged her and she just sent me a gif and then i wrote like something else and then we were talking (gasps) a little while longer i know and i was like priest hunt starts tomorrow we started making hashtags she's really sweet but oh my gosh yeah i i feel like love social media for this exact reason i know i get so even if they're not even i, I don't know i know yeah. i only know you through instagram mm-hmm. but i get so, because i do i am one of those people i do if you do post something yeah and you want a response i'm gonna respond yeah or if you like yeah. ask a question if i'm interested in you i'm gonna ask yeah, a question yeah. and then when you get responses I know. back I know. oh it just like it warms my cold dead heart I i'm know. just <laughs> She's really, she's really nice. But then when that, um, like Emil Hirsch responded to one of my things, and I like, Hirsch? I almost shit my me. pants. He's an actor. He was in Into the Wild. He was also in the movie about the girl next door. The like, the girl who uh-huh, like does uh-huh, porn. The blonde guy. That no, he's a brunette. Hmm. Yeah. But he responded to me once, and I like about shit my pants. <gasps> I was just so happy. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, this uh, show brings celebrities and. Uh, Roll muggles together. <laughs> I couldn't think of what we are called. Um, but yeah, it's a humanoid. A humanoid. You're whatever a you want to call us little people <laughs> who are not rich and famous. Right. But anyways. You're nobody. Honestly, I, it has guinea pigs in it. What else can I say? <laughs> it's so. Uh, it's my favorite show, hands down, like since Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is another Amazon show. Mm-hmm. We're two seasons in, and that's a really long, like, if you're going to commit to Marvelous Miss Maisel, you really got to. But that's probably the first show that I've ever heard you, like, say that you've committed to, because, like, you fast forward through a lot of stuff. Honestly, you- I fast forwarded a bit through the first season. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, it dragged on some of the other characters I could do without, but um, it really builds the main characters storyline with the other characters which you know shows are written that way i don't know if you guys know showbiz (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you guys watch tv but (laughs) But, uh, there's characters and they make (laughs) storylines but anyways watch fleabag 
please, for the love of God, watch Fleabag. I will watch it. It is so, so good. I'm start it tonight. Do it. I'm going to start it. Start it tonight. Tonight. Anyways, this has been... On to the main event. Yes. This has been Megan's oh. TV show, Bullying. Now I like it. Oh, my gosh. That, okay. Oh, God. So Rachel's going to start us off this week. I am. I... I hope I I hope that I did this story justice. I hope that I put the timelines and the things that you should know in this story. Never did I ever think I would put forth so much of my time and energy prying into the world of wrestling. Girl, wrestling is so <laughs> fire right now. Oh my god. I was actually amazed with um how women were never shunned in this sport. You know how it's like, you can't play football. You can't play baseball. You can't do this. It was just like, you want to wrestle? Fucking come at it. Let's see what you can do. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But wear this bikini when you do it because we're still going to sexualize you. But I saw... But you can come. (laughs) Yeah, but it was just like, women were never shunned from the sport ever. Wow. Even like, even in the... Like the 70s, like... There were always, like, women's high school wrestling leagues, and there were, like, uh, other cool things that, like, chicks could actually get a part of, but, like... Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so women were not shunned in this sport-slash-entertainment part of the universe, and they play a big role. So it's not, like... It's not only just, oh, hold up a card so people can see, like, what round we're in in this, like, Uh skimpy-ass, tiny, Mm -hmm. body-glove-like bikini, like... That was one thing with, like, boxing, boxing. But, like, wrestling was different. Wrestling, you got to have, like, character personas. I I didn't watch wrestling when I was a kid. I thought it was stupid and just a dumb thing for boys. And, like, I think my parents didn't even want Jason to watch it. Because they were just like, it's fake, it's trashy, don't watch it. Yeah, I don't think I understood <clears throat> the concept that it was fake till far... Far later. Far yeah. later. Like, <laughs> Mike loved it. It's yeah, I Mike feel like there's a lot loved of it. guys out there that really do like love he it. went to like a WrestleMania. Really? Yeah, when he was a kid with his dad. His dad took him to like WrestleMania like so cool. 98 or something and it <gasps> was so in fun. San Diego and it's just like you see the wrestlers, you see the ring chicks, you see wow, you can get autographs and memorabilia oh my and gosh. you just walk around and you talk to people about wrestling all day and like wow. Yeah, I just that was one of the things about Mike that I always thought was like really interesting because it I just I'm like you were in the, like what is you were in the wrestling <laughs> I know and then when he found it I was doing the story about it he was just like this <gasps> did he is know it cool he knew a little bit about it but didn't know as much as I found out about it okay which is normal yeah that's my story too mm-hmm. it's like you know little pieces but you don't know the whole story exactly okay. so so. You can tell that over the past 10 years or so, even if you're not an avid wrestling watcher, um, that the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment or WWF, World Wrestling Federation, you can tell that there's been changes with how like less muscly and blown up the wrestlers look. Because before, like in the 80s, it was like all about steroids and like getting mm. big, mm-hmm. like Hulk Hogan, look at him. Like, yeah, he's fucking 
massive. Yeah. Look at like Randy Savage. Like he's huge too. Mm. There were just like the all these different. Yeah. He's still there. The Rock was so small compared <gasps> to Hulk Hogan. Really? And if you look at how he looked when he was wrestling versus now, he's like fucking insane now. Which is interesting. Yeah. The dude that I'm going to tell you about actually fought in the ring with The Rock. <gasps> I can't believe how many wrestling matches I watched. Doing this. Oh my God. Because I just wanted to see how it was done. And not only have the look of the wrestlers changed, but you can tell that a lot of the dangerous moves that were allowed in the 80s, they're not allowed, or the 90s, they're not allowed anymore. Because they're like, okay, that causes too many concussions and brain damage. Like the guys that would like constantly hit their head was their move. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, this person's one of them. Oh, God. It's just, it's fucking dangerous. Serial killers, brain injuries. Right? Oh, God. And I've, I, br- I bring up a question at the end of this whole Ooh, thing, too. Sorry, about, I'm about that. No, 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 no. I think it's interesting that we have the same pro- thought process. Right. So it may have been staged, all these fights, whatever. And oh. the the wins. What do you mean? They may. They, they were, are. They are. <laughs> They're the best actors they in were. sports. <laughs> they are, like, They're one like, of the best. What do they call them? They call them little sil- silhouettes or sil... They call them, like, little plays. Oh, that's what they call wrestling. Interesting. They have to like be crazy and like yeah, but they have, have to- these fights and whatever. Yeah, Sorry. it's it's all a show. Yeah, it's, it's like a little mini for play. Show. Mm-hmm. So the wins were picked ahead of time. So the people who went into the ring, it wasn't like that's bullshit. I didn't know that. Yeah, they I were- guess you have to know. Yeah, because it just because it played on that character's storyline. Okay, and that like makes sense. and some people would like have their come up and like would show everybody like I'm not the runt. I'm actually the king and like he'll do his I don't it's just fucking wrestling (laughs) I just don't (laughs) understand it I still don't get it but the injuries and the pain that were experienced fighting in the ring were fucking real and so were the deaths there are so many deaths in wrestling Mike actually sent me this link and from I think it's from a deadspin article Mm. and um, they do this thing called the dead wrestler of the week and they just like pull a name and they just do a little blurb about like that particular wrestler because so many people have died in oh wrestling. Oh my God. Yes. Due to either dying in the ring uh-huh. or dying like due to their injuries that occurred in the ring. Yikes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, wow. Blew my fucking mind. Are they all like older people? <clears throat> or no, a lot of them, a lot of them died when they were like young and in their prime. No, but like in the 80s and now they're dying, like they're older now. They're or some, the more recent ones. Some of them. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if there's like regulations now. Well, yeah, it's still happening. Because before it was insane. And like Viceland, okay. uh, dude, I remember when Viceland channel came out, I was so fucking stoked. Mm-hmm. Viceland is doing this thing. I think they have like six or eight biopics and what and my, the wrestler that I'm writing about was supposed to be one of them but they ended up like canning it oh. but um, they're doing like six or eight biopics about wrestling and it's like it's called the dark side of the ring oh, and okay. they talk about um, pro wrestlers oh. and Mike knows every, Mike used to watch all of these wrestlers that oh, they're wow. talking about but they talk about how they either get into substance abuse or like gets like crazy aggression with their family and they end up like killing one another or like someone yeah. Like ODs on steroids, or like goes in a roid rage at incident and like ends up killing another wrestler. Yeah, or like it, like the shit is insane. So wow. we we watched two episodes of that and it just floored me. So I want to watch the rest of them. That's cool. But um, yeah, deaths in the wrestling ring were not uncommon. Okay. 
The one I'm going to tell you about is about Chris, Nancy, and Daniel Benoit. Hmm. If you look, their last name is spelled B-N-O-I-T. And I kept pronouncing it wrong. And Mike is like, if you fucking say anything other than Benoit, like you are going to cause a problem. He's like, you want attention on your podcast? You say his name wrong. Say it wrong. And you say it wrong. Got it. I want to get it. I wrote his name the way that you're supposed to say it throughout my entire essay because uh, okay. I did not want to go like do that too and say something else stupid. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is how you say it. So I'm writing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Chris Benoit was born May 21st, 1967 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, and while growing up, he idolized professional wrestling. He attended local wrestling events, and he even outperformed the other contenders, and he caught the attention of Stu Hart. Stu Hart is a wrestler and a coach, among like a hundred other things, and he invited Chris to attend his wrestling school, and his wrestling school is called The Dungeon. Hmm. So little thing about Stu Hart, Stu Hart is considered the like a patriarch of wrestling. He has 12 kids and they all became wrestlers, all 12 of them. Oh, my God. Guy and girl, everybody, every single one of his kids became a wrestler. So three of them passed away already. One died in the ring and I read his story and it was just like. Oh, my God. I can't believe that this happened. And it was like it happened on live TV. But the people who were watching it didn't see it. But the people who were there in the arena saw what happened. Um, And then Stu passed away when he was 88 back in 2003. But he's got such an amazing legacy. And plus his other, what, nine kids that are still alive. They're still, still, you know, doing their thing. So he's got a major legacy behind him. And... Chris Benoit was able to actually like learn from him. It was like learning from the master of the best. Like it's a huge thing. Chris had his wrestling debut in November of 1985. I wasn't even born yet. And he learned some signature moves like the cross face. So it's like making a linked fist face mask around your opponent's face. It's a violent, it's a visual, angry wrestling move. It kind of looks like an alien face hugger. Like that's like my best example. Like when the little hatchlings, like in the movie alien, they open up and then they grab at your face, (laughs) pulling it off. You can't get it. That's kind of what the face mask looks like. (laughs) It's a whole thing. I I don't know that I've fully seen aliens. No, no. Megan. What's new? (sighs) Your TV is my movies. Yeah. All right. All right. New level of understanding has been reached. Unlocked. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got the alien face hugger move. He's got the sharpshooter where you sit on their back, but you're facing their legs and you pull one of their legs back behind them like a scorpion move. Yeah. So he does that. And then he does a diving headbutt. Jesus Christ, where he would leap into the air from the top of the rope of the ring and he would skydive slash headbutt his opponent on the way down. That particular move causes spinal, brain, leg, and chest damage. And it's one of the most dangerous moves to do in professional wrestling. I don't think you're allowed to do it anymore. And he was one of the crazy people to do it. During his career, Chris Benoit held 22 championships, bear with me here, between WWF, WWE, WCW, NJPW, and 
ECW. There's so many fucking subdivisions. Oh, my it's, God. It's the World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment. World Championship Wrestling, it's WCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Extreme Championship Wrestling. Okay. Yeah. And then plus there's like, Lucha, what is it, like Lucha Libre oh, Wrestling. Yeah. Nacho in, Libre. In Mexico. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But they took a lot of the the moves from like the Nacho Libre type of wrestling. Oh. And he kind of like put that into his own wrestling style Interesting. too. So he was a two-time world champion. A one-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a one-time World Heavyweight Champion in WWE, and he was booked to win a third championship the night the things went wrong. More on that later. So, although throughout his career, he'd have nicknames like The Broom, The Toothless Aggression, he's like missing, like there's like your two front teeth and then there's like your third tooth. Your canine. Yeah, he's missing one of those. So like when you see him smile or when you see him talk or like MC or whatever, like you could just, huge gap, huge gap. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, The best damn technical wrestler in the world. (gasps) The Pegasus Kid, Wild Pegasus, that was like when he was younger. But mostly he was known as the Canadian Crippler because he's a Canadian wrestler and the rabid wolverine those are his two like main personas he wrestled with the likes of john cena hulk hogan the rock and orlando jordan so orlando jordan he would have like he would constantly have matches with this dude Mm. and he would beat him in in 25 seconds or less so like he beat him in like 25 seconds and then like the next match like orlando jordan is like talking a bunch of shit and then in that ring, he beats him in like 24 seconds. And then there's like another time where he beats him in 23 seconds. Like oh, wow. it's it's all staged. It's all yeah. whatever. But like it kind of sucks that you have to be like the fucking back burner of wrestling. And like you got to constantly be beat by this yeah. other dude. Because it's just that's just it's like uh, what's his face when Ricky Bobby would all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to win one time, Ricky. <laughs> fucking second place every time. <laughs> If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> I was just thinking, uh, could I win this one? That's <laughs> basically the same thing. Yeah, poor Orlando Jordan. <laughs> so he also fought, fought with Bret Hart, which is one of his mentor Stu's kids. So Stu, mm. the guy who like had the dungeon, yeah. one of his 12 kids. Actually, Bret Hart, I... I think I think it was Bret Hart. Bret Hart is like the younger brother of another Hart brother who ended up dying in the ring. Mm-hmm. I think it was Owen. Owen Hart died in the ring. Okay. Um, Bret Hart just like within the last couple months was indicted into like the World Wrestling Federation like Hall of Fame. Mm. And then while he was being indicted, some like super fan like ass hat of a person ran over to when he was like accepting his award in his speech and they tackled him. And then that dude who tackled um, Bret Hart accepting his award like got the fucking shit beat out of him. Oh my God. It's all in the news outlets and it happened seriously within the last couple of months. Like it just fucking happened. Oh my God. I don't remember that. But now I know who he is. I was just like, that's fucking crazy. Well, the first that time Mike told crazy. me, I was like, wow, that's weird. But yeah. now I know who he is. I was, was like, crazy. whoa. You should have mansplained it to him. Yeah. But did you hear about this? Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he wrestled with some of the greats, some of his idols, 
among handfuls of others. And according to historicmysteries.com, during Chris's career, he allowed himself to be hit on the head by a folded steel chair. He surely suffered some head trauma from that, but he still managed to maintain to be one of the top and most popular gifted wrestlers of his generation. Like, people love this dude. Wow. So being Canadian, Chris spoke fluent English and French fluently, although Mm. let's be real, I imagine he lost half of that language due to some of that in-ring head trauma. (laughs) Wee wee. (laughs) Wee wee. (laughs) 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 He got married in 1988 to a woman named Martina. And then they ended up having two kids, David and Megan. The And she doesn't spell her name nearly as cool as you do. What a bitch. It's just like basic Megan. <laughs> basic. You know, it's really hard to be. Megan. So, someone complimented me the other day. Megan. Yeah. Someone complimented me the other day and I was like, thanks. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> cool. <Thanks. laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, It was chosen before I was here. (laughs) Uh, The marriage slowly crumbled, you know, like they do, like they do. (laughs) Except for mine. Mine's really great. Mine's great. great. It's great. Mine's tip top, tip top shape. I polish like they do on this podcast. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But not involving us. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's not personal. It's separate. (laughs) So they divorced in 1997. And throughout his wrestling career, he would soon meet his second wife, Nancy Sullivan. Hmm. Nancy was born May 17th, 1964 in Boston, Massachusetts. She eventually moved to Florida. She graduated. I really want to go to Florida. (laughs) She graduated from high school and got a job answering phones for State Farm Insurance. But also... She's a fucking stone cold fox and she models on the side. Nice. So she married Jim Dawes, D-A-U-S, in 1982. And while she was working, she caught the attention of a wrestling magazine photographer who had her pose for the cover of the June 1984 wrestling magazine. I tried to find a copy of that and I just, I couldn't. Okay. But I looked. I scoured that internet. (laughs) So Nancy was always into the wrestling scene during this whole time. And she met up with professional wrestler Kevin Sullivan. He asked for months on end if she would be a part of his like on-air wrestling entourage because he liked her look. He knew she was in wrestling. She was already this like hot trot little thing on the cover of the magazine. So he was like, hey. Let's get you in, like, the wrestling world, and you can be one of my, like, partners, so so to speak. Okay, so she finally did. Like, after months and months of of him asking her, she finally did. She made her in-ring debut in July of 1984 for CWF, which is the champion wrestling from Florida. And she ended up divorcing Jim. Bye, Jim. And she married Kevin Sullivan, who wanted her to be a part of his, like, wrestling world, Mm -hmm. in 1985. And she stayed married to him until about 1997. Oh, wow. So during this time, she was a heel, meaning you're either a good guy or you're a heel. Mike Mike had to explain this to me because I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) So... 
she played a villainous role okay. due to the people that she managed and the team, so to speak, that she was on. Okay. So it's a lot of the a lot of the women who would be a part of wrestling. It turns out that they were like managers of the men who would go in the ring, but at the same time, like she oh. would also go in the ring. Like oh, she would get in the ring and like he'll hit somebody with like a steel purse and like start some shit. But like she's in like her work outfit and some heels, but she's like still talking smack and like still wrestling in the ring. Oh, wow. It was just like a very animated type of persona and type of role that she had. She began acting like all of the staged events were 100% real in the group Satanists. That's uh, Kevin Sullivan's whole group. They were the Satanists. And her stage name was The Fallen Angel. Mm. So she wore like black bikinis and like booty shorts and fishnets and had like chains like hanging off her shit i'm just like and big black hair and like crazy eye make oh my god she was just i want to be here for halloween one year like i'm gonna do it like i now have found it maybe mike will finally participate and be a wrestler oh my gosh that would be amazing (laughs) but he can't be chris benoit (laughs) benoit i did it wrong edit that out Ah! no benoit oh my god it's because of how it's spelled i knew i was gonna do it <laughs> Fuck! Wow, I'm gonna send so, Mike a, just that clip. Oh, he's gonna be so mad. <laughs> uh oh! So, Someone's getting hit with a steel chair tonight. I know, I know right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. Oh my god! Just for real kidding. though. Just, just kidding. kidding. I'm just like kidding. Just, just kidding. I say just kidding as you say for real. <laughs> <laughs> Who but it believe? I know. It's 50-50. <laughs> so, all right. She was Fallen Angel for a while for the Satanists. And then she changed her role. Because that's what these people, they just like fucking shed their skin. And they're like, I'm somebody new now. And they yeah, had a new fun. name and a new persona and a new role in wrestling. That's and, fun. And they were allowed to do it all the time. It's like fucking Halloween. I don't know why. I'm I telling was, you, it's like acting roles. I, I, it's awesome. They like make new movies. Yes. It's so cool. So... She changed her name to superfan Robin Green, Mm. who was a huge fan of pro wrestler Rick Steiner around 1989. Mm. And so she, like, pretended, like, she would be in the audience, but she would be dressed like somebody completely different than someone who should be in the audience. Like, she's probably basically wearing a bikini and around, like, people wearing, like, jeans and T-shirts, like, with posters. So she's, like, obviously, like, the outlier in the crowd. And she would constantly, like, root for for Ric Flair, like, that whole, like, situation. And, like, she – or Rick Steiner. I'm sorry. She would, like, root for Rick Steiner because he was on, like, the opposing side of what she was on. So she pretended like she liked him. And then, bam, she just, like, changed her mind. And she changed her persona and she changed her name to a woman. And that's who she was. And she was like this force that could not be reckoned with. She turned on Rick and because he was like a part of the good guys and she pretended to be a part of the good guys and then like changed it and like was like, fuck you. Ha ha. I've got you. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm doing this other thing. Yeah. This wrestling. It's so confusing. Fucking wrestling. Okay. So she changed her name and her role to woman. Okay. And she aligned herself with her husband, Kevin Sullivan, 
And then she aligned herself with Kevin Sullivan, Ric Flair, and the Four Horsemen. And so she managed and she booked all these wrestlers in like 1990 for WCW. And throughout the years in the 90s, she's working with WCW and ECW. And she's like still managing these men. And she's still like on the dark side of wrestling. Uh And... um. In 1996, she teams up with Chris Benoit in an on-air relationship. So she like rubbing it in Kevin Sullivan's face, who she's married to in real life. So she was on the team of her husband and the Four Horsemen and Ric Flair. And then she was just like flirtatiously hanging out with Chris Benoit on air. So it was like all fake, all stage. And it was like, okay, you're going to pretend to like Chris while we film this shit on air okay. and it turned into like this whole on air romance, even though she's married to one of these pro wrestlers in real life. Yeah. So the acting between Chris and Nancy was so damn good that it resulted in an actual real affair <gasps> because like they would have to show up to places together or like be seen like entering hotel rooms together to add to the drama of the wrestling persona oh my god but then they actually ended like fucking on the side so so in 1997 nancy and kevin divorced nancy and chris kept their relationship moving forward and they married in 2000 she gave birth to their son daniel christopher benoit in november that year but things weren't as good as they seem like on tv uh-oh. Nancy actually filed for divorce in May of 2003, citing that the marriage was irrevocably broken, alleging cruel treatment, meaning fucking spousal abuse, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And she also filed a restraining order against Chris, but both were dropped months later. It's Friday. It's June 22nd, 2007. And they are in their Fayetteville, Georgia home. And Chris kills Nancy in their bedroom. Her hands and feet were bound, and she had a towel wrapped around her body. Her injuries as she succumbed to show that there were no signs of immediate struggle, but that Chris had been pressing his knee into her back while strangling her with an extension cord. Uh. So I read somewhere that her, like, belly was bruised or, like, her belly had bleeding because he was pushing his knee in her back so hard that it caused, like, abdominal like bleeding and protrusion protrusion while he was strangling her with an extension cord so yeah there was like enough pressure placed on the spine to show that that was what happened saturday june 23rd 2007 it's the next day and reports show that chris their seven-year-old son was sedated with xanax and is hopefully unconscious when chris suffocates him so again there's no immediate signs of struggle and daniel is gone like he's seven it's awful chris left a copy of the bible on each body so he had one for nancy and he had one for daniel about 3 p.m that day chris's friend shavo guerrero also a pro wrestler. They fought each other in the ring before. There's YouTube videos of that too. Um, he got a voicemail from Chris stating that Chris missed his flight to Houston, Texas for the show event that night. So around 3.45, they speak and Chris sounds weird. He sounds tired. He says that Nancy and Daniel are sick with food poisoning. And when they got off the phone, Chris told Shavo, I love you. And to Shavo, that seemed really odd and unsettling. Mm-hmm. 
So now it's the next day. It's Sunday, June 24th, and texts have been sent from both Chris's and Nancy's cell phones between 3.51 a.m. and 3.58 a.m. So four of those text messages go out to people, and it's just the address of the home that they live in. And then one text is sent advising that the family guard dogs are in an enclosed pool area and the garage door is open. Okay. Why are you telling everybody this information? Mm -hmm. So Shavo received a few of those texts and an unknown friend said that Chris called them to say that he was driving Daniel to the hospital and Nancy was with him because he was so sick he was throwing up blood. But he would be sure to be able to catch a flight like in the early morning hours to Houston because Chris was supposed to be in a pay-per-view fight that night. So it's the one that I mentioned earlier that he was supposed to win his third championship in. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to show up. Later that same day, it's June 24th, 2007, Chris Benoit committed suicide by hanging. So on the 2016 podcast, Talk is Jericho. Jericho is actually a ex-pro wrestler. And now he has a podcast where like he talks about a lot of this stuff. Oh, wow. And I try to find it. But I think a lot of his older podcasts, like mm-hmm. his 2016 ones, are archived. Because okay. I went on there and it's nowhere to be found. Like oh, I can't sure. find the audio for this podcast. I tried. Um But Nancy's sister, Sandra, clarified some of these details that I'm about to tell y'all. So Chris looked up on his computer the quickest and easiest way to break a neck. And he used their instructions. He put a towel around his neck. He attached his weight machine cord that he fashioned into a noose. And he put that around his neck. It's like the pull-down pulley Mm -hmm. machine, if anyone was wondering. And the pull bar cord was weighted. So he got the pull bar cord. He removed it. He made that cord into a noose. And his body was found hanging by the end of the cable after he, like, released the weights. Because the bar, like, the cable bar was still weighted. Uh, So after, so he's, like, pulling on all this, like, enormous weight and, like, put the noose around his neck while this, like, wire uh, is weighted. And then he got into position. And as soon as he was ready to go, he let it go. And then the weights, like, came crashing down, which, like sent him up which broke his neck oh my god yeah fucking violent but it like snapped his neck like immediately that's so disturbing yeah so his his body was found hanging by the cable and a bible was found sitting on his weight machine and then later it's found that it's an apparent suicide note was written in the bible by chris and it says i'm preparing to leave this earth The police were called to the residency on June 25th, the day after that. So Uh it's, like, weird. He, like, kills his wife. He kills his kid. He kills himself. And then he's found. Like, each thing happens in each day. Like, the body of Daniel wasn't nearly as decayed as the body of Nancy when Mm -hmm. they found her. So Mm -hmm. that's how they knew that he killed him, like, a day later. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Chris didn't show up for his scheduled events, and he stopped answering his phone. So the police were called to the residency on June 25th to do a welfare check. But then they couldn't get in the house because the way that the house was set up, like the dogs were like roaming the property and the police couldn't get in. So um, a neighbor was texted about the dogs and he was able to control them because the dogs knew who that neighbor was, Mm -hmm. was able to control the dogs and move them over where they could. And then once the neighbor entered the home, they found the bodies and they ran from the property screaming. Oh my God. And then then that was, and then it was like the police's turn to go in there and see what was up. Oh, jeez. 
there's a few possible possible motives for the double murder suicide, like high levels of testosterone because it's the synthetic injectable kind. I want to say that he had like eight times more testosterone in his system than he should have. Like, but that could have been from like using testosterone and like steroids. Steroids, yeah, yeah. Like it, it could have been from from multiple uses. It, it oh, not necessarily like using God. that night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, plus he had severe and repeated unrelated concussions that were never treated. There's a pterodactyl in my living room. There's a dinosaur in your house. (laughs) So, he had severe and repeated untreated concussions that caused an unstable mental state. Chris was one of the only wrestlers to try the dangerous moves and take a chair shot to the back of his head, which mm-hmm. is stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you ask one of his pro wrestler friends. They're just like, why the fuck would you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, his fandom and popularity and fame could have been a reason for his drinking and his depression, among a few reasons. Because a lot of people, once they reach that like peak, they they panic and they don't know what to do. And the fame just really starts to get to them. And then they just... They just, they got to find a way out. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that pro wrestlers were dying from their injuries anyway. And the ones in Nancy and Chris's life were no exception. So like Chris just kept seeing like friend after friend after friend, like get hurt or just straight up die or have ailments. Like, and it started to get to him. Yikes. So Chris's dad allowed the autopsy on his brain Oh. And it was revealed that Chris's brain resembled that of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Wow. Um, no, it reminded me of Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered when Karen's talking about her mom. And it, she's got Swiss cheese. She's mm-hmm. There's holes in her brain mm-hmm. like Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it kind of reminded me of. It, like, it, it was bananas. Yeah. So, yes, he used steroids. He was prescribed them. Mm-hmm. And then there were other drugs. Hello, prescribed doses of heady heavy pain medication plus alcohol they're all factors yeah but he didn't beat everybody to death he straight he strangled and suffocated them and he left bibles next to every body including his own so that kind of shuts down the roid rage behavior factor nancy had hydrocodone hydromorphine and xanax in her system but it wasn't an abusive amount because just I mean, I'm sure it was just enough to help her because she actually, like, years before had spinal fusion surgery. Oh. And I'm sure she was in fucking pain all day, every day. So it's like... And then your body, like, builds up the immunity and, like, builds up... Not immunity, a tolerance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like you're going to take an extra half or an extra pill when you're, like, taking your doses because you're like, I know this is going to knock out the pain. Yeah. So it could have been enough to sedate her from her pain injuries from her heyday and that sedation could have caused her not to fight back against chris Mm. although how does one overpower a heavyweight wrestling champion yeah like the guy is like made out of fucking muscle like that's it yeah so the doctor that prescribed the prescription drugs and the steroids like the testosterone Mm -hmm. to chris is in prison for 10 years Because he just handed out that hardcore pain medicine like it was fucking candy without even examining Chris, without even seeing what the issues were. (gasps) So that doctor pled guilty. I think he had like 175 wrongful counts against him. Oh, my God. He just pled guilty. And so he's doing his time. Yeah. 
So the WWE, they heard about the death of Chris and his family, like, as soon as it happened. Okay. And they were quick to speak their condolences over the media. They canceled their live show that was to be had that night. And instead, they played a tribute show of old matches and features and videos to play tribute to Chris, as well as memorializing Nancy because she, too, played a role in this whole wrestling Mm -hmm. universe. Like, she was a big part of it, too. Then, when the news started to break that it was a double Mm. murder-suicide, WWE had to come out with press releases each time, like, more details started spilling. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. It was, yeah, like, some of their stuff is, I just, I feel bad that they had to, like, make comment on it. And then after making comment and comment, then they were just like, Chris Benoit is not a part of, like, our wrestling history anymore. Like, they basically, like, tried to erase him. Wow. So... They banned his name and his appearance in any videos or promotions. Oh, my God. Just all the things. Just ban all the things. Wow. He'll never be in the Wrestling Hall of Fame, although there are plenty of people out there who believe that his career and his talent should be showcased and recognized as being a part of WCW history. But once you commit a heinous crime, that all kind of gets flushed down the toilet. Yeah. So the double murder-suicide case was basically open and shut, starting and ending with Chris. His legacy is shattered. Nancy and Daniel's life, they were stolen. So Mm -hmm. it's a travesty of a story. It ignites the question of how far are we going to let contact sports and entertainment rule over health? Mm -hmm. And my own personal question is, why does brain damage result in violent behavior that can potentially result in murder? Like anytime you hear somebody where they're like, they're mentally unstable, they have brain damage. It's just like, why? Then why can't they just go outside and try to like, I don't know, catch a bunny? Why do they why do they turn into this like? I need to kill the person who cares for me. I need to bite the hand that feeds. I need to take something. Well, it's like um, it's like a weird aggression light switch gets turned on when they've got brain damage and then it only results in sadness. Yeah. It's like, um, schizophrenia. Yeah. So it's like some people get some, I mean, there's no real science behind any of it really, No. but you have all the serial killers that hit their heads. I think Ted Bundy is one of them where Uh he was on a bike and he like fell off and hit his head. I think that's where they're like, if your kid hits his head, send him back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I believe that girl that did the school shooting, the, one of the first school shootings, she had hit her head mm-hmm. like the butt of a gun or something. I, I'm making all this up. I'm not checking anything. But um, but yeah, like with schizophrenia where it's like um, they hear voices. They believe that God is talking to them. And yeah, it's just a matter of like – it's just like a certain aspect of the brain. It just – it gives too much of something. Um, I can't remember what it's called. But anyways, it became – it makes you angry like the same thing with steroids. Oh, yeah, this is saying that um, Chris Benoit had damage to all four lobes of his brain. Yeah. Can you name them all? The frontal lobe. The the corp... What are these right here on the side? Temple. Yeah, temporal. What helps you see? The sight lobe. Occipital lobe. Oh. And then there's the... Oh, my God. I'm, I can't say it. No, Mike said it yesterday, and I was like, I can pronounce it right. <clears throat> what does it say? What is P-A-R-I-T-A-L. Percipital lobe? No. Per-tipal. Per-tipal. 
partially. I don't know. I don't understand the brain. I'd love to know. They did. Oh, um, it's super interesting. Yeah. Oh, but that's why I was like, the lobe that helps you see. It's your occipital lobe. Uh, it's in the back of your head and it's connected to your eyeballs, which helps you see. Oh. But like, it's cognitive and it's like understanding and it's memory. And there's just like all of those things are quickly being diminished yeah. the more and more like you fight in this ring. Oh, so P.S. Real quick. Mm-hmm. So a photographer met Nancy. When she was married to Jim. So Uh she's probably like in her early 20s around this time. Okay. She did, excuse me, she did wet t-shirt contests in Florida. Oh. And she did a photo shoot in the early 80s. And the dude videotaped the photography session. And he told her, you should be in penthouse magazine and like that was kind of how this whole thing started uh-huh. so he probably filmed it either to jerk off to it later or who knows mm-hmm. whatever nancy destroyed her copy she never submitted them to hustler or playboy or any sort of publication even though she could have she just didn't she like let it go after the murder the dude who took her photos got in touch with larry flint at hustler magazine sold his copy of the photos and the rights to the magazine and within that year Nancy showed up nude in Hustler magazine. Her family sued Larry Flint for obvious exploitation Mm -hmm. and cruelty. But fucking the First Amendment and Larry Flint, he won his case. (gasps) So the family got nothing. It's the March 2008 issue of Hustler and it fucking says right on the cover, wrestler Chris Benoit's murdered wife nude. That's what it fucking says on the cover of the magazine to get you to buy this shit and it is just so oh cruel it's so cruel i'm so glad their business is going down the shitter because of fucking free porn online yes thanks Pornhub. thanks x videos thanks whatever else is out there i don't know i basically just got a porn hub (laughs) do you need anything else? it's easier oh and our favorite horror core band Oh. ICP, uh-huh. they wrote a song about Chris Her? Benoit from That's so WWE. Crazy. It's just like... Which actually, I will say, I damn. think um, I think Georgia did that story, but I literally didn't remember anything. Really? I only remembered because I remember her talking about how his body was found with his weights. Yeah. But I think that was it that I remember. I don't know how she told it. Oh, I should listen to it. I wonder. Because I felt like I left out so much information. I don't know. She might have done it. Her husband does a wrestling podcast. Oh. Yeah. So. Oh, my. Fucking parallels everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Oh, my God. That's so crazy. I cannot believe it. Oh, wait. This is episode 16. Yeah. I thought this was episode 17. Oh, no. But still, it was like. (laughs) That's so close. We just discovered. So I feel the need to explain that oh my we are God. Uh, we are fans of my favorite murder. We're, we are we're, murderinos. We're murderinos. Yes, they influenced us and gave us the inspiration to start our own podcast because we wanted to talk about more stories and they're only once a week. So, um, but yeah. when I went to go, I told her that um, that Georgia did this story. And then when I went to go find it, it was episode 17. So it was like at the very beginning of the show, which is crazy. Um, But I didn't remember anything because obviously that was like two or three years ago. I want to listen to her telling to see like what information she has about it. Yeah, I actually am curious because I don't know. I'm very interested. Yeah, Yeah, because Vince is, I told her Vince does his own wrestling podcast. So I'm sure he had some type of influence over that episode Um, or information, I should say. 
Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. So many. Uh, Rachel is not as a fanatic, a fanatic <laughs> as into podcasts as I am. Like it's mostly me bullying her into listening to certain episodes. Sometimes I'm like, you have to listen to this. Basically, the entire beginning of this show, it will change your yelling life. At her about TV shows. It's the same about podcasts. Same thing. So yeah. I'm thoroughly obsessed with my favorite murder, and um, I can't. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I just. I had no idea. I know. Which is usually what happens to you, poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's just your lot in life. (laughs) You just didn't know. It's okay. Which is what will get us through. Ignorant and naive. She didn't know. I knew. Ignorance is fucking bliss, people. Yeah, and we don't tell each other our stories before we No, we don't. Because then we don't want to spoil. I think that's fun. I think that neither one of us ever knows what the other person is going to write about. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've heard this. Or, oh, man. Yeah. Fucking yeah. buckle up. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Buckle yes. up. All right. So anyways, let's store into this episode. Maybe this will just be an homage to my favorite murder this episode because mine has to do with something that happened in the world. But while I was writing this story, I was finishing the My Favorite Murder book, The Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. Everybody read Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered really by good. Karen well, Kilgareth and Georgia Hardstark. It I is feel like, Oh, I guess that's dream. true. I was going to say, duh, everyone listening would have already listened to it. But... Our family would never know. No. No, no, no. Uh, I will say if you are, you have to be a fan of them. But they. It's not about murder. No, it's about them. Yeah, but they be talk a fan ab- of them. But <clears throat> they tie in their like funny inside jokes mm-hmm. like stay out of the forest or. Yeah. If your kid hits his head, send him back. Yeah. Or like you're in a cult, call your dad. Yeah. They're just like motto. They're, they're it's little motto. That yeah. was their, the name of the book. But when they talk about, like, fuck politeness. Yeah, there's really good, like, things that they've Holy come up shit. with. It's just, it's, okay, so the whole the whole thing about fuck politeness is because we were raised as a society, even now, like, I was raised the same exact way, mm-hmm. that even if a situation makes you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you grin and bear it and you deal with it because mm-hmm. it would be worse if you made the other person feel uncomfortable or think that they did something that made you feel uncomfortable, like, it's like an embarrassment wrapped in a neat little package that is just like has a politeness bow on it. Yeah. And you like ignore a, the red flags and you ignore yeah. the things that you would otherwise be like, no, that's not right. Yeah. You so, just deal like, with it. A story that always stuck out to me that had to do with fuck politeness was I think someone wrote into the show and they were talking about how they were walking their dog. And when they were walking, there was a man on the ground and he was like, oh, my ankle, my ankle or something. He like hurt his leg. And the person i don't remember if it was a woman or a man probably a woman the viewers or the listeners are primarily probably women um and they said they like noticed that something was off like the person that was like in pain or fell down like they didn't look like they had their shoes on or i don't remember what it was was there was something yes and like the first thing you do is like when you're polite is you're like oh are you okay like is everything okay and your initial reaction is to walk over but i think they said oh i'm gonna call 911 if you're hurt and that person got up and ran away oh yeah so it's like this you cannot trust anybody exactly you cannot yeah so let your guard down I for a second that you know they bring really good values to um they just say things offhanded and it ends up being like their motto like uh, because it makes like, sense to the people who are listening yeah like, no they can put it into yeah they've they've reached enough people where yeah. it's like this happened in my life 
or I yeah. want to make sure that this doesn't happen to any of my friends mm-hmm. or any of my family. Yeah, like exactly. Um, but I think even if it's you're not a fan of these women and even if you don't even listen to my favorite murder, you'll still relate and understand yeah, and rethink some of the things that you do in your life or yeah. feel about a way about a person because it just makes you understand that nobody has their shit together. Yeah. We're all trying to work through it mm-hmm. and they're comedic and they're yeah, a certain they're voice funny. of reason. So it's just like, it's, it's refreshing you know. to read. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I will say like certain things, if you're reading it, reading it, like if a lot of their, well, Karen, especially like her type of humor is very dry. Yes. And it's sometimes, <laughs> It can be missed on certain people if (laughs) you don't have a dry sense of humor. So just know that. But if you're listening to our podcast, you probably have. That's true. And and have stuck with us through these 16 episodes. exactly. You get it. You get it. You get it. Anyways, so one of the chapters is stay out of the forest. So, um, because so many people get murdered in the forest. So that was like their (laughs) motto, stay out of the fucking forest. And same, that is why I don't go camping. Or hiking. hiking. (laughs) Yeah. Never. (laughs) Um, But the whole idea in that chapter from Karen was um, that women uh, are not certain terms, like one out of every four women is raped. Who's doing it? Like it's the it, the yeah. unknown. No, the unknown. It. They're walking down the street and it gets them. It like, gets them. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, it's like men are raping women and they need to be um, held accountable in yeah. the sense of like like you were how are you saying earlier, like one to two men out of yeah. ten are raping women. Yeah, exactly. Like the statistic, it's never been like that on women. So I mean, it's never been that way, and it's always on the woman. So like in Canada, there was a serial killer that was going around, and um, they decided to put a curfew on the woman. And it's like they're not the problem. They're not the ones and doing that's the crime. Literally, how it always is. All right. Anywho, so that kind of twi- intertwines with my story because it's really, it's just. One, I apologize with how frustrating this story is. Uh, two, I apologize is perhaps with how frustrated I'll get while telling it. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this story is actually a little bit different. Um, I decided to do something different than meeting online because the reality is not everyone meets online. Mm-mm. And I'll go into it further, but let's just start the story. It's like a passion episode. It is a passion. It's passionate up in here. <laughs> I'm wearing a kimono robe. It's passionate up in here. It is true. It's (laughs) it's passionate. Okay. So this is the story of Lauren McCluskey. This is actually a recent story. So you may have read it in the Daily Mail where we get all our horrible news. They always are on top of it so quickly. Between them and Fox News, it's like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) What's What's going on over there? Okay, so Lauren is a 21-year-old track star going to the University of Utah. In her senior year and months away from graduating, Lauren is close with her parents, and Lauren will talk to her mom once or twice a day. Lauren was also the shy kind of girl, but her mom, Jill, who during her years as Lauren's coach, used to be called a helicopter parent. Lauren had done track since she was eight, and her mom was always by her side coaching her or being her or being her biggest fan. And I'd say and being her biggest fan. I. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't one or the other. No. <laughs> <laughs> when Lauren went to college, her mom was just always worried about her. But when she would call, she would be relieved. And then the next call would come later that day. Mm-hmm. And she'd be relieved again. So the calls helped. A topic they always call- covered while on their calls was dating. And Lauren had been 
just really focused on school. She had been going, she'd gone there to do track and she just wanted to get in and out in four years. So she didn't have time to really date. She would date guys for like one to two months, but nothing really serious. So it was nearing the end of her college career and she kind of just was like, I want to have fun. Which brings me back to Booksmart, you know, that last day. (laughs) I hope you all went out and saw Booksmart. You better. Aladdin killed it in theaters. So everyone go see Booksmart. Um, So it was nearing the end of her college career and she's just like, I want to go out and have fun. She was 21 at the time and she's just like, I'm going to let loose. So she and her friend had heard of a new bar in Salt Lake called London Bell. They had red velvet couches and music and dancing and it was just super fun. It sounded super fun. And so she texted her friend Alex. She's like, okay, let's go to the London Bell. And her friend Alex was also just kind of, it's like the end of the semester and They just both were like, okay, we're not going to get crazy. We're going to have a couple of drinks, but we're going to go and have fun. Mm -hmm. It's Saturday night in September of 2018. They go to the London Bell and there's a very cute bouncer at the door. Lauren is totally into him while they're waiting. She's just like, he has huge muscles. He's really tall. Oh, my God. His sleeves on his, like, his biceps are, like, so tight. So hot. They're so big. Oh, my God. Like, basically, it's all of us when we see The Rock. So, <laughs> um, also like that he was like bigger than her. She was five seven, and she just kind of felt like she liked being protected. I mean, like most of us do. I think. Again, I'm sorry, short guys. I feel like I talked shit about you in the last episode. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll still date you. We're or again, we'll just, date you. Just like calm down. It's fine. Just get fine. used to being a little bit smaller when we decide to wear our heels. Okay. Okay. So Lauren and Alex get into the bar and they go and grab a drink. And when they start looking around, looking for a place to sit, they can't find anything. So they decide to just like stand somewhere. And as they're walking over to like a section, out pops Sean Rowland. Sean Rowland is the bouncer. So Sean escorts them over to a booth that looked like it was reserved. So he's like, hey, you guys can take this section. And they're like, uh, it looks reserved. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. She's 5'8". I just wrote, I wrote, she's what a liar. I just saw it somewhere else. I thought I could do it from memory. 5'8". She's tall. She's tall. Yeah. Um, so they're like, oh, it looks reserved. So you can sit here? And he's like, yeah, of course. So now she's like, okay, I know that he's into me, right? Yeah. They're hanging out. They're like chit-chatting and they're like watching him from across the bar. Just She's just like totally fantasizing about a future with him. And she's just like, God, I just really like him. Typical girl. Typical girl. <laughs> so she gets a burst of confidence and she's like, I'm going to write my name, my number and my name down on this napkin. And if we see him on the way out, I'm going to give it to him. So they keep chit-chatting, and then she's like, okay, let's go. And as they're leaving, they're, like, looking around the bar. They can't find him. She's like, oh, okay, I guess it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. But as they're about to walk out the door, he, like, pops out of nowhere, and he's like, hey, ladies, blah, 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 like, just, like, talking to them. Yeah. And she shoves the napkin in his hand, and then they run out of the bar giggling like little girls. <laughs> and she's, like, really excited. She felt bold. Like, what an exciting thing. Like, honestly. Yeah. It takes like, a lot of effort. It's fun. Yeah, it's so fun. 
So the next morning, Lauren and Alex meet up at church and Lauren tells Alex that Sean had texted her that night and they were actually going to meet that day at a climbing gym. And she was just super excited. Sean shows up for the date with roses and they even went to dinner with his co-worker co-workers after. And he like showed her off and was like, this is Lauren. Isn't she beautiful? (laughs) So she calls her mom after the first date and she's gushing about this guy. Right. Like she basically she had never really like no guy at school was like that. She he was a little bit older than her. He was actually 28. And he like took the reins. Like he's a man. Yeah. Yeah. So she was just like really excited. Um, He seemed mature. He was from New York. So we kind of had like a different perspective. Like she just really, really liked that. Yeah. So um, he was only like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he was only a bouncer part time and getting his associate's degree in computer science at Salt Lake Community College. So he had goals, which was really important to her. Goes to community college, even though we've made fun of you before. It's fine. You got it. We all went to community college. We all did it. (laughs) Um, so. He has goals and he's just a breath of fresh air to her, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jill initially was Jill, her mom, was initially worried about her dating a 28-year-old because she knew her, I mean, her daughter's 21, and she wants her daughter to finish college and have these goals. But as time went on, and like she really likes not even time, it was like a week that she was like gushing about her daughter's like, I mean, her mom is like, you know, she's a really she's an adult. She can make her own decisions, and her friends really supported her dating him. Mm -hmm. So within the first week of them dating, Sean is spending every night in her place. And the thing was, she lived in a student apartment, so it was kind of like a dorm, a little bit bigger, but it was student housing. Okay. And in student housing, you didn't bring your own furniture. It was provided and it was a twin bed. So this was like a really big guy with her. And so Alex started to be like, okay, this is a grown man. Yeah. Why is a grown man in student housing? Yeah. Like in a twin bed. Like this just seems really weird. Yeah. And he, Lauren was also talking about how he would say things like, he told me to wear jeans and a t-shirt. He said that I could invite some friends to the bar. Just really controlling things that were a little bit of a red flag to Alex. When she was hanging out with her friends, if the phone would go off, it was like a race against time trying to get to her phone in a panic to respond as quickly as she could. And it had only been a few weeks. So Lauren would admit that Sean would get mad if she didn't respond quickly. Alex started to not be as supportive of their relationships relationship when one time they were together and Sean called and it was he just started quizzing her where are you who are you with what are you doing it was like okay dad yeah exactly it was like crazy I'm with my friends leave me alone quit calling me I'm at the mall bye yeah I'm in a hot topic yeah don't worry about it leave me alone god So he started getting even more jealous. He started telling her that she wasn't allowed to go out with him, out him. She wasn't allowed to go to parties without him. She wasn't allowed to do really anything without him. Then he pressured her to get a gun, to hold pepper spray always on her, which, as Karen and Georgia say, pepper spray first, ask questions later. And I 100% <laughs> agree, since we're doing an homage to them. Right. But you should always have pepper spray, ladies. Um... And Lauren would ask why he was being jealous, and he would give the sob story that some girlfriend had 
basically cheated on him so he had a lot of baggage which these guys do this shit where then when they're like super controlling it's like they give you a sob story just so that oh this guy on the bachelor is doing it right now or they've got enough of an yeah. emotional attachment exactly. to you so if they say something yeah, exactly woman feels bad or feels like she's put in this position where she's just like okay i gotta go along with what they say to smooth things over to make it cool Mm -hmm. and to make it so they're not mad at me the next time we see each other yeah what the fuck is that i don't know actually there is is that i didn't think of i just literally this popped up in my head the like that uh super mentally abusive guy that i dated for for a year he one time i remember being at his place he went out to go walk the dog and i laid down in the bed and i found yoga pants in the bed (gasps) oh And I was like, whose are these? And he was like, oh, I thought they were yours. And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, whose are they? And he like came, I don't remember what the story was, but he came up with some story. And he was like, oh, my sister. Oh, he did. He said, my sister's been staying here every, for, he's, she just stays a night sometimes. And then I was like, oh, okay. And just, and just dropped it and whatever. Mm -hmm. But if it was a man Mm -hmm. quizzing you. Mm -hmm. It would end with broken windows, shattered hearts, and an ended relationship. <laughs> yep. Yep. The fuck? Actually, I don't My brother doesn't care. I, <laughs> I, Girl, should I or shouldn't I? I okay. Which, like, in what's whatever it's called, with the paired with that story. Yeah. One time I left some shit at my brother's apartment when I went to go visit him in Arizona, and um, his girlfriend found it when she came, went to go visit, or his ex girlfriend. <laughs> She's a real piece of shit. But anyways, <laughs> um, ex-girlfriend. And she got so mad at him. And he was like, it was my fucking sisters. And then literally a month later, because I used to do my laundry at my dad's house. Yeah. My <laughs> dad's girlfriend, who I love. <laughs> um, she found my underwear in the dryer. I guess I left them. Oh. And she uh, accused my father of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. It was so funny. Sorry, Mr. Salazar. It was so funny. It was really funny to me that I got two people in my life in trouble by just being by just By just... <laughs> You're, like, trying Dang. to be, like, a, re- a responsible adult and, like, you, you cause mayhem where I go. <laughs> I just see destruction behind You are me. never doing laundry at my house. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I would 1,000% let you do laundry. I have. I know you have. Yeah, you have let me. Okay, so eventually, uh, Lauren would open up to Alex, and Alex would be the friend that would listen and just say, like, okay, wow, that's really horrible. Because she would take note of what was happening, but girl also knew that when it comes to controlling guys, if they take, if they get wind that a friend is grounded in reality and catching on to their bullshit, they will find a way to distance their girlfriend or boyfriend from the friend who smells the shit. Which is true. (laughs) So Alex knew that she just needed to be as level as she could in her friendship with Lauren because she knew that if she created any waves to be like, you should really leave him, that she would probably run to him because, you know, how girls are. So it had only been a few weeks of dating, guys. Like, they met at the beginning of September, and it was now September 29th. So, like, three, maybe three weeks tops. Yeah. So Lauren calls Alex and she asks her to come over. And Lauren seemed upset on the phone. So Alex went right over. Alex walks in and she saw a different friend in front of her. Lauren looked exhausted. She had lost weight. Lauren had been getting zero sleep because Sean started making her pick her up, started making her pick him up from his late shifts at the bar. 
and he didn't care about her sleeping schedule. So he would stay the night and they would like hang out. And Alex, again, didn't take a side, just listened to as Lauren complained about all these things. And so Alex didn't know what to do. So she went to her two. They had two mutual friends. Mm. So she went to them and she told them what was happening. And her friends were really concerned. So they decided to go to student housing and tell them that he had been staying there. Because, of course, he's a lot older and probably not allowed to be staying every night. Especially, I believe, I don't know if this was a religious college, but it's in Utah. I mean, he's basically living there. Oh, yeah. Be I know. I mean, there are, or at least there are some yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. rules against exactly. that. So, um, thankfully, some time apart was definitely needed the friends believed but um fall break was coming up and lauren had already planned to go home to visit her parents so her friends are like just go home get a clear head and they kind of like put it in her brain to like take the time to go there and maybe like i don't know get to know who he is start researching who he is or like get to know him over the phone rather than the person well, Lauren is the smart millennial and she gets online and she starts researching who her boyfriend is. Right. So this is one of the reasons I did the story was because one thing that I always say on a first date is I like online dating because you meet someone you wouldn't mean by you wouldn't meet by any other means. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you don't go to the same bars. You don't live in the same area. You don't have the same friend groups. There's literally no reason you two should ever meet. Right. And it's refreshing to know that like. Exactly. We can do this. But with meeting in person, the only downfall of meeting online is like, let's say you hit it off in text and you're totally different in person. Yeah. When you meet in person, you know that you're already hitting it off in person. Whether it's that you're attracted to one another, you had a great conversation. The downfall of that is that you think you have your best judgment when you're in person. Mm -hmm. You think this person is great. You think that you see that person. You know as much about this person in front of you as you did if you met them online. And that's the reality that I feel like a lot of people don't like, though, because when they're in person, they feel they can feel their energy. They feel that they can see them. They can see who they're around, how they're dressed, how they smell, things like that. But a lot of the time, you don't know shit when you're in front of them still. That's true. And and if there's alcohol involved, then you're going to see a whole different side of people. I legit do not enjoy drinking on dates because all of a sudden I like them and I'm like, what? <laughs> I, didn't I thought you were gonna say because the other person usually turns into an asshole. No, we like, never. Oh, I get the feels that and I start thinking they're happen. cute. Ugh, God. get out of here. I, I when I was sober, you were really boring, and I d- <laughs> thought there wouldn't be a second date. And now I'm like, yeah, let's definitely let's definitely again. do this again. What? Here's my number. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's cool. So she Googled, she straight up fucking Googled yeah. him. Okay. So Lauren goes on a deep dive of Sean. What she finds is that Sean Roland is actually Melvin Roland. He is 37, which is nine years older than he claimed to be. And the most shocking part was that he lied about his criminal past. What he said was he was born in New York and adopted by an older couple who had died. He was sent to the state-run group home and spent time in a Buddhist institute in California. Like, what a fucking lie. And then got certif- to be- got a job to be a certified nurse assistant after taking classes at Salt Lake City Community College, which is what a beautiful story. Well, the real story was he was a registered sex offender and had spent 10 years in prison and had recently been released 
So basically, right before she met him, he had just been in prison. He had been sent back to prison twice for parole violations that included possessing possessing (laughs) pornography. Possessing pornography. Porno. Oh my god. What are pornography? What are can't say that word. Possessing porn. And failure to complete therapy. (laughs) Oh, my God. He said during one parole hearing he had dreams of being a doctor, but the internet sexual activity ruined his life. Only if you look it up. Fuck off. Just have some sense of control. He can't. He's disgusting. Okay. (laughs) So on October 9th, it's the day she's supposed to come home. She knows all this information. She knows she needs to break up with him. But the thing is, while she was gone, she lent him her car. So she knows she needs to see him, as well as they were supposed to go to a wedding together on October 9th. Mm -hmm. And she calls Alex, and she just kind of updates her on everything that she had found out. And she lets her know, like, hey, I lent him my car. What should I do? So Alex tells her, just skip the wedding and go meet him in a public place. Go to a coffee shop anywhere and basically get the keys from him and tell him that it's over. Yeah. Well... She's like, okay, I'm going to call him and let him know. The fucking creepiest thing is he was right outside her window (gasps) listening to the entire conversation. What? As soon as she hangs up, he bursts through the front door, tells her that she is not allowed to be talking about their relationship with anyone. And then he proceeds to rape her the (gasps) entire night. Every time she tries to get him out and she thinks that she, like, got him back on her side, he does it again. So the next morning, she tells him that she has track practice. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll go. And he takes her car. So Lauren realizes she doesn't have track practice that day. And so she calls Alex and tells her everything that happened that night. And Alex is, of course, super upset and scared for her friend. And she just tells her, like, okay, like, if you need anything, I'm here. Later in the day, Lauren starts to get texts from what appear to be Melvin's friends saying things like, why'd you break up with the big guy? He really loves you. And other texts along those lines. Well, she didn't respond to any of them. So then she starts getting texts from those numbers saying, go kill yourself. You and just calling her tons of names. But she noticed in all of the texts, it was the same grammatical error. So she knew it was the same person. Why the fuck does that happen? Like the second it's just like, hey, you're hot. Let's hang out. Oh, and it's just like, God. oh, no, thank you. It's like, well, you're a fucking bitch. It's just like, yeah. how did you go from wanting to <sighs> hang out and spend time with me to demeaning and calling me names in the same sentence? Yet you still want to fuck me. Like, yeah. what the f- just please, please, Rejection anybody write in. Good on you. Slide into our DMs. No. Let me know. I just was reading five Felipe once today. Jesus Christ. Like like, I, will, I was just never I will never understand the the mindset and the brain that goes from like, hey, are you okay? to like, you're a fucking twat. It's yeah. like uh you were just hey, on my hey, side. Hey, hey, hey. No. You're a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like no. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I don't know what entitled piece of shit you think you are. But they're all, they're, there's so many of them. Oh, tons. It's just, it's disgusting. How does it, which is, how does it go from like this to that is what I want to know. It's just ego. Yeah. A thousand I guess. Percent. It's just rejection. And yeah. And they like go from zero to 100. Oh, fuck. <sighs> okay. So. So Lauren, of course, hadn't got her car back. So she has to tell her mom. And her mom, of course, is 
purely only worried about her safety because now she knows this man is like nuts. Mm-hmm. So she calls campus police and asks them if they can escort her, escort her to all the places around the campus because she's just really upset and worried about her daughter. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like are like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. Not very helpful. <sighs> got After, nothing else to do. I know, exactly. <laughs> After two days of radio silence from the text, she gets another text from a number she doesn't recognize. And it, sells, it says, Melvin is dead and it's all your fault. Then a flood of texts come in. Some saying that he was in a car accident. Some saying that he committed suicide. So she contacts the university police with all the evidence and screenshots of the text that yeah. seemed suspicious. And she was scared... But the police said, without threats or anything criminal in nature, there was nothing they could do. Which in most countries, and especially in the United States, women and their lives or safety are not fucking important. Mm-hmm. The justice though the justice system will not look at a case like this <sighs> until t- something terribly exactly wrong fucking until happens. something physically happens to her, and that is fucking ridiculous. I just it. Uh, <sighs> And honestly, if they looked at it now, what does she get a restraining order? Does this psycho look like he would listen to a restraining order? No. Exactly. So it's like, (sighs) they're asking you for help because they need help. Exactly. So since there's no tangible evidence of her safety being at risk, she has to just live in fear. The next day, October 13th, she gets a text from Melvin saying he has compromising photos of her. And if she doesn't pay him $1,000, he's going to post them online. Which she had her face in the photos. So she's, of course, really worried. She also is a religious person and doesn't want her parents to see those photos. No. So in a panicked moment, she sends him $1,000. Oh, my God. So she does go to the police with the screenshots of the Venmo and screenshots of the texts. Mm -hmm. And they never once take her into a private room to discuss the matter. They never once made her feel like she was in a safe space to talk in a police station. They then looked him up on the campus directory because she had mentioned he went to the community college and said they said to him after looking him up, he seems like a pretty good guy. She didn't see what they were looking at, and it turns out they had looked at the wrong person. Oh, my God. She, of course, was unsettled by this interaction, so she decides to go above the campus police because yeah. she was They're fucking dumb scared. And she goes to the Salt Lake City police, and what do they tell her? To go to the campus police. Already tried that route, homeboy. Why do you think I'm here? Yep. So she didn't know what to do and everything. She just kept emailing the same detective that she was talking to. The screenshots of the text that he was sending her. The just endless harassment. Alex, her friend, decides on October 19th that on a Friday night, she's going to help her friend distress and just take her to a few different bars. And they're just going to have fun because she doesn't want her to sit in her room anymore. Alex recounts that night she remembers Lauren saying... One day when I'm happily married to a nice guy, hopefully we can just look back and this at, on this and laugh, which I can't tell you how many times I've been on horrible dates. And I'm just like, I cannot wait to be past this and just mm-hmm. be like, that was so stupid and so funny. And like, that was crazy. Do you remember yeah. that time? Just like, like remembering it yeah. as being a part of your past instead of it being a part of exactly. like your very recent, like exactly present. Yep. Yeah. 
So Lauren had finally got a little space from all the texts and drama. And now on October 22nd, she gets a text from someone claiming to work for the campus police Mm -hmm. and to go straight to the police station. She calls the police station because one, they haven't done shit. So this is a red flag. And two, she didn't recognize the number. So she calls and they say no one contacted her. Duh. And they say, and (laughs) no, they to not respond to that text and to stay where you are because it's probably a trap. They don't do anything after that. They just simply document that they told her to not respond to the text. (sighs) If you are in a if you are in a capacity where it is your job to Cover the safety and well-being of people in your care, whether you can see them or not. And when somebody is basically asking you for help, Mm -hmm. you do that. If you fucking don't care, don't take these types of jobs. Fuck themselves. (laughs) God. She knows it's for sure, Melvin. So, and they later looked at reports from her call. And again, they documented nothing at the police station. They literally just wrote that they spoke. And nothing, nothing was done. This was just the layers of infuriation. Okay. Alex was concerned. I'm so mad. (laughs) Right? I'm so mad. Yeah. Alex was concerned because she had asked Lauren to call her after the call with the police so she could get an update on what happened when she called. And she never got a call. So at 3 p.m., this is found out after the fact. Melvin had broken into Lauren's apartment and simply waited for her. He wasn't aware that Lauren had a late day at school that day. At 8.20, while on the phone with her mom, about to end the call, Melvin steps out of the dark in the parking lot and grabs her. Lauren drops everything, and Jill had just put Lauren on speakerphone so that she could yell across the the house and say hi to her dad. But when they put her on speaker, all they heard was Lauren screaming. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So they heard the phone drop, and Jill knew not to hang up. Melvin had grabbed Lauren and put her in the back of her own car that he stole and shot her multiple times. (gasps) He got out of the car, called a woman he had just met on a dating app, asked her to come pick him up, then went on a fucking date with her. They went back to her house where they hooked up and he showered and then she dropped him off at a local coffee shop where he lied and said his car was around the corner. My jaw is on the floor. Mm hmm. Okay. Of course, Lauren's like, parents. I want to kill him with my bare hands. Like, I about, want yeah. to harm this person for doing this. So, oh. of course, Lauren's parents are frantic. They oh didn't hang up the phone and they use Matt's phone, which is her dad's phone, to call 911. And a medical student happened to be walking across the parking lot and found Lauren's backpack, laptop, and phone on the floor. So, Jill asks her, like hi hi my daughter like she dropped all these things and she's like do you see my daughter anywhere and the girl's like no i don't see anyone around like i just saw these things on the ground so they're on the phone with the police trying to get any type of information and police finally make it over there 
But Jill recounted that she just kept telling herself this was just an insane thing that happened, but they are going to find Lauren alive and it will be okay. She keeps in touch with police, but it was Lauren's coach who ended up making the call to Jill to break the horrible news. While searching the parking lot for Lauren, they found her in the backseat of her own car shot dead. Of course, as soon as they read the case that Lauren and emails that Lauren had been sending to the university police, they realized their mistake that they had looked up the wrong fucking person in their database and found the correct Melvin. And he obviously was dangerous and no stranger to this type of violence. So police ended up putting out his mugshot to all the local news stations to blast that night. Turning out the Turns out the woman Melvin had just went on a date with was a fan of the local news and called the police immediately, letting them know she picked him up at blah, blah, blah location at the student parking lot and where she dropped him off. Police end up finding him in the area near the local coffee shop and he fled to Trinity AME Church, where he ended up killing himself with the same gun he killed Lauren with. What? Isn't that fucking What? Yeah. Which I remember. Do you remember this story at all? No. I remember reading it because... It's so... It happened last year. I don't yeah. remember this. I remember it because I remember on Daily Mail, they had brought up, like, this guy had killed himself in the church and blah, blah, blah. And then they, like, backpedaled and said why mm-hmm. he did that. And I remember reading that, but I had no idea the like shit the before. Like, volume yeah. mm-hmm. of what happened. All right. Oh, my God. Are and the girl who, like, saw on the news that they're looking for this Can dude. Can you imagine? She yeah. just, no, I would... I would, I would be like so disgusted. I would either be lighting myself on fire or taking the hottest goddamn shower mm. I've ever had in my life just to try to scrub any remnants of that person yep. off of me. Like yep, yep, I just, yep, 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 yep. I'm floored. I'm, I'm floored. Okay, ready to be more infuriated? Oh my god, no. Uh, well, too bad. <laughs> too bad because I have more fucking information for you. Ugh. Melvin had just been out on parole at the time he was dating Lauren. When you're out on parole, if you remember, he simply looked at porn and was back in jail. Well, literally any of the claims Lauren had told police would have had him back in jail. Basically, he would have been back in prison. Yeah. And it turns out only four days before he killed Lauren, he had met up with his parole officer. And the officer had no fucking idea about any of these because the police didn't file a thing. What? Campus police never checked or verified the person they were looking up, so they never were able to connect that this Melvin was the same person she was talking about. Because they didn't do anything. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm like so mad. It's like Arthur Fist, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We got Arthur Fist right now. We got Arthur Fist right now. So more things came out that Lauren hadn't uncovered. Melvin had sexually assaulted a teen girl in 2004. And then in 2012, he raped another teen and then two women. In 2016, he threatened a parole officer, stating, if you come back to check on me, I will become violent. Basically, there were so many signs that this man needed to be in prison. It was insane. How do you tell a parole officer that if you come check on me, like, you're out? That's when the parole officer should go. Okay, no, boy, bye. Like, you're the one who's in trouble, not me. (laughs) 
Oh, my God. Okay. My head hurts. So, of course, the campus had to take action because they fucked up royally. Yeah. And it take it took someone being killed or hurt for anyone to take action. Yeah. While the president of the university, Ruth Watkins, probably just as guilty, who knows? Well, she decided to open a private investigation into the individual officers at fault. On December 19th, the results from the private investigation and their fuck-ups were made public. They never looked into the claims when the friends came forward concerning that he was super fucking old and staying in their friend's campus apartment. Never did a thing about that. They kept making her talk to the same agent. So when that agent had days off, she would have to hold on to that information until that agent came back to work. She wasn't supposed to talk to other people that worked at the fucking police station. They took little to no blame in the report just making excuses and they they just said that they needed to they were understaffed and they needed to train their better their law whatever their fucking police better well here's your first shot exactly this is what we need to pay attention to here are all the things Her parents are uh, are considering a lawsuit against the university, which, like, fuck yes. Guys, no matter where you meet a person, this was the point of the story. <clears throat> no matter where you meet a person, you don't know who that person is. Just always be aware. As Georgia says, pepper spray first, ask questions later. <laughs> it is a motto I live by. Sorry. <laughs> I said, fuck so Sorry. Much. I was so mad. I was so mad. No, when I, I wrote I this story, I was so mad. It stuck with me. I could tell well, you it oh. without making notes. It just makes me so, so mad. But anyways, that is the story of Lauren McCluskey and how she was a beautiful, brilliant, amazing woman who did not deserve. The system failed her. Yes. She did all of the things that you are supposed to do when you fear or feel that you are it's like in who harm's do you way. go to when you can't go to the police? Like who do you fucking go to? She went to all her avenues. And exactly. And, and, but they failed her because they did not take it seriously or think that it was a part of their job. But if look, if you take a security job, your job is in charge of I'm sorry, but it is like you have yeah. other people's lives in your hands. You mm-hmm. may not feel that way. You may think that you're just like did a you, Paul Blart mall yeah. cop. Did you see today that the cop that was at uh, the the last high school shooting? I can't remember which one. He no. got arrested. Yeah, he was arrested because he didn't do anything. Exactly. Like it is so your now it's a job it's, to protect. It is your job, and you did not fulfill your duties. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you are at fault for mm-hmm. what happened. If he just fucking tackled the guy mm-hmm. or if he just like... If he did what his job was. Yeah, then... It's like, if you're not brave enough to be a police officer... Then don't then do don't it. be one. You okay? <laughs> it's my first time I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, guys, this was a really heavy episode and... Sorry. <laughs> We're very sorry. Um, but before we end this, I just wanted to apologize to Peg. I called her Pam. I do not know. I should look at my notes. Maybe I'm like Ron Burgundy and I wrote Pam by accident. You'll just read whatever's on that teleprompter, girl. (laughs) I don't know if that's what happened or I just, I don't know. that It's my fault. I shouldn't make excuses. I called her Pam and that was really awful. Her name was Peg and she was a beautiful human that did not deserve to be called Pam. <laughs> so I am so sorry. <laughs> that is my bad. And that's okay. Minor mistake. Minor mistake, but also my biggest fear 
I don't know if I ta- I don't know if I left it in an episode, but I did talk to you about it one day and I was like, I'm going to make it through a whole story and I called the victim the wrong name. I didn't even notice it though. I know I didn't either, but I don't feel like that makes it. I mean, Any I better. added it. Yeah, it doesn't it's make still it like, better. well, it means like, I'm exempt from the problem cuz I didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever no, guys, like deal with it. Yeah. I didn't notice it. Just like don't don't notice it. At least you didn't like cross-pollinate like murder stories oh. and like just made some shit up. I know. Exactly. It's, it was it, exactly. nothing like that. It wasn't. I also had a nightmare okay. that I did that. So <laughs> can't wait till that happens. Great. <laughs> uh, Keep listening. Anywho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done apologizing. Yeah. So really quickly, we just wanted to bring in our third podcaster so she can go ahead and say goodbye for us. Right? Take it away. Take it away, Sammers. <laughs> Do you Do have you anything say, to say for to our can listeners? You say bye. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we'll see you next week for another horrible story. (laughs) Bye! Okay. Oh, I started recording. <laughs> Welcome back to No Thank You Next. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. Off to a good start. I love it. Yeah. I also watched the Jonas Brothers documentary. If anybody's out there that likes the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> I'm looking for someone to go to the concert with. <laughs> I already bought my tickets. I bought my tickets. I just need another person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and the characters. This is your equivalent of googling a house. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, girl, I spent so. <laughs> yes, just yes. If you know what's happening in my personal life right now, <laughs> yeah. She needed a detour. I did. A little. <laughs> She's looking at homes for herself right now, so also, she needed to watch wrestling videos <laughs> to kind of distance herself. That's right. Just kind of like bring me back down. <laughs> bring me some peace. There you go. So. Oh, I wrote a joke. <laughs> I was like, how did you? What happened? Um, I wrote a joke after that, and it was, do you do you remember the Dane Cook joke about, I love my CDs in a car, I just can't break up with him. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, on a higher level of that. But like, he has my car, so, like, I can't break up with him. I can't break up with him. <laughs> but me and my brother always. Back to my house. Me and my brother always give each other excuses when we're trying to end something. Like, we'll call each other, and then we'll be like, oh, God, it's just, like, I don't know. I love, like, All a, my CDs are like, I love to scarf at his apartment, so. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I just don't know what I'll do with all that scarf. When we are like hearing about these things, <laughs> you can't see, but I was making a motion. Same, it's very exciting. Twin babies, one of these, one twin, of these. Babies. twin babies, twin babies. He signs with our eyes, he signs with our eyes to one another. Look at me, look at me, look at my eyes. <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs>